Welcome to Dead Pilot Society, the show that takes comedy pilots from A-list writers that were sold and developed at networks but never produced, and gives them the table reads they never got a chance to have. I am Andrew Reich, the creator and host of Dead Pilot Society. All right, this is the after show for Primates. Hopefully you've already listened to the Primates table read with Maria Bamford and Joel Kim Booster and Nick Muhammad and the rest of our great cast. Today I am bringing you my conversation with the writer and star of that pilot, Tessa Coates. You know, I get to interview all sorts of writers for this show, and I love it. I love talking to writers because we all experience versions of the same internal struggles in order to do what we do. And sometimes I interview very experienced writers who've seen it all, been through it all. And sometimes, like today, it's uh, writers who are newer to the business, and I love that too. It was so great hearing this story of Tessa's dream coming true, you know, going from a one-woman show at the Edinburgh Film Fringe Festival to being paid to write a sitcom for ABC with the help of one of the greatest television writers ever. Look, sure, the show, after going from ABC to Quibi, sure, it did eventually end up here on Dead Pilot Society. But look, it's still a great story, and Tessa learned so much along the way. And she's here to share those lessons with all of you. So without further ado, here is my conversation with the delightful Tessa Coates. Hi, I'm Joe Firestone. And I'm Manolo Moreno. And we host Dr. Game Show, a podcast where listeners submit games and we play them regardless of quality with a dozen listeners from around the world. We've had folks call in from as far as Sweden, South Africa, and the Philippines. Here's an example. Uh, this is a game we've played called Cotton Candy Chicken Nuggets, where you have to sing any eight-syllable phrase to the tune of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. You have an example, Manolo? Yeah, here's one. Little baby turkey turnips. Oh, nice. Thanks. Dr. Game Show has new episodes every other Wednesday on Maximum Fun. Check us out! Please. So you told us a little bit before we started the read, but you really had one of the most epic journeys of any dead pilot that we've done on this show. Certainly Uh, it's, it's quite extraordinary. So can you take us back to the very beginnings of primates? Absolutely. I mean, people, the whole way through this process, people kept using the phrase unprecedented. And (laughs) given that I might, you know, I would have had imposter syndrome anyway, for people to be using, you know, being like, no one's ever done this before. I was like, I don't think I should be leading the charge on this. Um, So the beginning of Primates is I did a sketch, little a little show, just a little show at the Edinburgh Fringe in 2017. It's called Primates and it was about my degree, which is in anthropology. And it was all about human evolution and science and love and monkeys and dating. And it was sort of, and it had some true stories about, you know, you know, dating stories and heartbreak in my own life and about, um, you know, working out, not wanting to be alone. And it just like all these sorts of big ideas about, about love and humans and stuff. And it truly was just an amalgamation of all the things I learned in my degree and the things I would tell people, you know, at parties, but condensed into an hour. 
Like it was just, it was all sort of in me and wanted to come out. And I really just, I had no dreams for it. Like I was so proud just to take it to the Edinburgh Festival. Um, and it wasn't my, and it was my first ever solo show, but I had been, and I'm in a sketch group and had been for many years. I'd done the university sketch comedy and gone to the Edinburgh Fringe. I'd done it as a sketch group. Sketch group. And so this was my sixth or seventh year going, but this was my first time by myself. And honestly, it felt just like that was the Olympics to me. Like I, there was no, there was no other. No greater uh, goal. Know, there was no greater goal. I was so proud to be there. Like that was all I wanted. And, and, and writing wise up to that point, had it mostly just been sketches for the sketch group that you had written? Very much so. Yeah. So it was sketches, you know, we'd tried our hand at sort of writing, you know, TV commissioners would say like, write, write a show. And we'd be like, yeah, we want to do a sketch show. And they'd be like, okay, or could it be, you know, <laughs> three girls in a flat. And, you know, we, we always had like such bigger dreams for everything. And once we wrote a, you know, <laughs> we wrote a sitcom about witches and they were three sisters who find out they're the most powerful witches of all time. Um, and it was a sort of charmed, you know, pastiche and, we really, really thought about it. We wrote, you know, several episodes and, you know, the note that we got back was, we love it. Um, what if they weren't witches? <laughs> what if we could just scale this right back? Oh, you, you get notes like that in the UK, <laughs> not just here. Okay. That's good. Very that's good much so. Oh yeah. The, yeah. Very much so. It's always lovely. Could you scale that right back, please? <laughs> um, so, but yeah, just, it was just sketches as my first time writing a, you know, a stand-up show. And it definitely was a stand-up show. Like it didn't have really a sort of clear through line or a story or, you know, or anything. Um, and I had a wonderful Edinburgh and some American agents, WME, came to see my show and they took me out for this very snazzy lunch um, where they sort of did a real razzle dazzle, like come to Hollywood. And I was like, yeah, 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 sure, sure, sure. And um, but the following year in July or June of the following year, I went out to L.A. and I'd never been to America before. And I got to do my show. Uh, five times I watched do my show. I was there for ten days, and I did it in the. the <laughs> I did it in the theatre. She does her one woman show in in La La Land, and uh, and that's <laughs> in, in North Hollywood or something. It's in the valley. It's in North or? Hollywood. It's okay. called the. I think it's called the Dynasty Typewriter. Um, they were so nice to me and lovely. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was, it was that the Dynasty Typewriter. Uh, on Wilshire uh, near downtown. Was it, was, was it Please that? don't ask me where they Okay, are. <laughs> I'm sure. Your first time in LA, you don't know where anything is. My we, used to do, we used to do shows at Dynasty Typewriter back when we could do live shows. Okay. Okay, so in you, which case, do you, does that sound right that that's the theater she does her show in? I, I never really thought about it, but it, it makes sense. I think that, that that makes sense. You know, it's a yeah. pretty big space. Yeah, it's, um, oh, it's a big space. <laughs> like, and, in, and even when I watched the, the film and it, you know, think what you like about the film but like when she does she books that with no previews and just says like my first night I'm going to do this one night only show in this massive theater and I was like you're crazy you can't fill that space and I was correct like you can't fill that space <laughs> and, I, and um then anyway, I got there and I, and I they put my name in the you know above the whatever that special thing is that lights up above the door like you know I just couldn't believe it um and I got to do my show and I got to have all these amazing meetings and you know I had no idea about LA 
uh, people have tried to explain it to me, but I couldn't get my head around it. And you know, I had no idea where anywhere was. And I was just, you know, ordering Uber pools and going to all these meetings and always chatting in the back of the Uber pool and people being like, where are you going? And I'm like, I'm going to Warner Brothers. <laughs> Have a good day. <laughs> you know, I just had this real whirlwind, such a lovely time. And when people, and it was so nice to get people to, you know, see the show. And then I had all these lovely meetings and I sort of chatted about it. And in the, and then I came home and I had these, <laughs> my agents called and they said, um, you've got three blind script deals and I was like what's a, what's a script deal what's a blind script deal what what does any of this mean um and you know they were like oh my god everyone loved you what did you pitch in the room and I was like I didn't I didn't pitch anything they just said can you take your live show and can you make it into a, a sitcom and they were like you must have pitched something and I was like I guess I sort of said it's the film How to Be Single meets the book Sapiens. And, <laughs> and, and everyone was like, yeah, we'll have it. And I was like, that's all, that's all there is. Just that, that soundbite. That's, that's all I've thought of. You know, there is no, there's nothing here. And, um, and so we went with, um, we went with ABC and we, you know, do this deal. The whole thing just felt completely, the, the whole ride, since I went out to America has been this just wild roller coaster that of me being like, I cannot believe I'm on this roller coaster and <laughs> just being like, well, keep quiet and no one's going to ask you to get off yet. <laughs> like just stay on it as long, as long as you can until they work out, you don't know what you're doing. Um, but yeah, so we went with ABC and I, and then it was just a process of me trying to shape the, the shape that show into becoming a, a sitcom. And I sort of took myself to the library and, read every single book about screenwriting and sort of just taught myself to do it from the, from the bottom up. And it was a real sort of sink or swim experience. Um, and there were definitely moments where I was like, I think I'm, I think I'm going to sink. And then, you know, you just have to sort of be like, okay, this is a real baptism by fire. I guess I've just got to learn on the job and, you know, keep going. Um, and so ABC, when they made, you know, so a blind script deal is for those who don't know, it's really just saying like, we're going to pay you to write whatever it is, you know, you want to write your, your next thing. And often you make a blind script deal with no understanding of, of what that project is going to be. It's sort of mutually agreed upon, but it seems like in this case, ABC was expecting a version of, oh, yes. your, uh, of climates. <laughs> Yes. So they, okay. they explained that to me, me being like, they said exactly that, which was like, it's blind. You can do whatever you want. They're just buying into you and you, you can do it. And I said, okay, great. I want to make an animated show about police dogs that have to come out of retirement to solve crime. And they were like, not <laughs> that. <laughs> I was like, okay, so we're saying blind, but you don't mean blind. blind. Right. <laughs> so, like, um, so yes, it, they, it was blind, but very much it, it was I don't know what the phrase should be like blind but also we're very much looking at that <laughs> like you know they they would so take this and um and I'm really really aware that I you know that I got well, I was really lucky with the time that I was there um and that you know I absolutely owe all of this I was riding on the sort of the flea bag coattails you know like I'm a British girl with a one-person show and you know, I was really aware and not to like do myself down, you know, I work very hard at it, but also I am totally aware that like there was a huge buzz and excitement to be like, let's make sure we're, you know, getting you know, the next flea bag. 
let's make sure we're getting the next fleet back. You know, if the, if, if the British girls are coming out here, let's make sure we're, you know, we've got, we've got our, our paws on them. Um, and uh, yeah, so then sort of that winter, I, you know, <laughs> I went back and lived with my parents and um, uh, they sort of, <laughs> my, my dad was sort of come back in from the pub and, and like suggest a fart joke. And I'd be like, that, that's not, that's not helpful. Please like get out. And like, um, you know, I just sort of sat by the fire all winter, like tried to write this, write this pilot script. And, and it's definitely like, it's a real skill pilot writing like to to set up all of your world to have all your characters introduced to have them all clear purpose and for them to make a good joke within 30 seconds of walking in the room you know like there's so much um there's so much (laughs) so much going on um but i so i handed that in and and then we we, you know we, we did it and i handed that in in um in Oh, and I also should say what became totally unprecedented is that Greg Daniels was involved. Okay, and I was so, wondering when he came sorry. into the picture. <laughs> I was like, how did I do it on my own? It's like, I remember. <laughs> <laughs> I had one of the greatest uh, television writers of all I time helping. <laughs> yeah, I remember who, who was steering the ship. Um, so uh, Greg and his amazing daughter, Haley came and saw my show and then we went out for breakfast and had like such a funny, like great meeting. and. And again, with, I mean, I don't know if I was being totally naive with all these meetings, but like, I just truly thought I was chatting to like great people for an hour and then like going to another meeting. Like the sort of, the, you call it the water bottle tour and, you know, in LA because you, you go from place to place and everyone, someone gives you a water bottle and asks how the traffic was and you have a chat for an hour and then you leave. Right. You know, I just, I wasn't, because I wasn't pitching anything and there was no pressure on me. I was having just the time of my life. So I just thought we were chatting about comedy. We were just, I would meet these interesting people. We would chat about the stuff that we liked and what we were passionate about and like what shows they'd made. And, you know, I didn't realize I was, I didn't realize that it was an open market basically. And um, do you know how Greg and for, for those who don't know, Greg, uh, creator, co-creator of King of the Hill with Mike judge and, uh, and the the American office and, you know, hand in parks and recreation and on and on, just, uh, you know, an amazing writer. Do you know how he ended up at your show? Was that just like a WME, um, set up or how did he end up there? Cause I'm sure there are plenty of people are listening. who are just like, how, if I do a showcase or show, (laughs) how do I get Greg Daniels to come to my show? That is a, Wonderful question. Um, I truly don't know. I guess that WME had just done, and listen, like all this is all this entire experience is down to WME. Like them um, coming to see my show in Edinburgh, you know, encouraging me to come out. They made they organized me doing all my shows, they organized all these meetings, like they were absolutely incredible. And and them really like fighting my corner. So I guess I mean I truly don't know. That's like a back behind the scenes question that I guess that these emails had gone out that were, <laughs> that said like, we really believe in this girl. We think you should come and see her show. And people trusted them enough to listen, I suppose. Um, but to, to their credit, I think that they, I think, and I'm, I'm he'll probably be listening and saying, don't say that. I hate going to things. But I think, you know, he, he's definitely really supportive of a younger generation and of the comedy industry and like likes to see what people are making and what people are doing. And, you know, I think is sort of, I think it's definitely like sort of has his finger on the pulse of what's, what's new and, you know, does go and see stuff very quietly. Like you probably wouldn't know it was there. Um, but no, I really don't know how he ended up at my show. 
And so, but when you made the deal with ABC, was he sort of attached at that point or was he, he made the deal with ABC and then Greg sort it was, of came up? It was, it w- was nice and was like sort of nice for my confidence because it was ABC first and then Greg. Okay. Um, and then they sort of, so they made the deal with ABC and they said to me like, who do you want as a producer? And we're like, here's a list of people who you, you've met and might be interested in. And and his name was there and I was like, are you serious? Like he wants <laughs> to be involved? Like then obviously him, <laughs> like um, with a bullet, like obviously him. Um, so I just could not, I could not believe that he wanted to be involved. And then he comes as well with Howard Klein who, and again, the pair of them are like, you know, this is like, they're like kings of Hollywood. So for them to be like, yeah, we'll take a punt on this idiot <laughs> doesn't know what she's doing. <laughs> like, and to give, and they were both like unbelievably generous with their time and with their knowledge and with their experience. And like, and, and I've been like for, for, for dinner, at, I was going to call it tea is such a British expression, but like, I've been around for tea. Um, I've been around to dinner at both of their houses. And like, and even though they must've been, had like 8,000 projects on the go and been so busy, like, when they're talking to you, they're giving you their total attention. It's never this like, you know, half assed like everything is, everything is a hundred percent. And actually I think that's true of like lots of people I've worked with in America that they give things their total attention, even though they have a hundred things on their plate, um, which I think is a really, really special and valuable skill. Um, and yeah, so they, they were absolutely, they're amazing. And so what role when you're writing this, tell me about what Greg did what role he played as you're writing that first ABC script. His, he really wanted me to find my clown. So he really wanted me to like be allowed to do my own thing and to find myself and to find like what the best possible vehicle for me was. Um, And he, his role was sort of gently coaxing me away from in different avenues, but he really just sort of let me do my own thing. Um, and, and and really his role was sort of supporting me on, you know, those sort of note schools with ABC where they'd say like, this bit is a bit left field for us, or, you know, like what's happening here? Um, you know, there's some talking mice in the show. I was, I was wondering how that went over with them. <laughs> they went quite badly. <laughs> so, you know, like there's some talking mice in the show and, you know, they sort of, a lot of the notes were this very sort of like, we love it. It's hilarious. Like it has to go. <laughs> and, like, and, you know, at one point they said, and, and I did listen to a lot of it and I did take out lots of things and it, to the, you know, they were completely right. There was so many ideas in there. I mean, there still is a lot of ideas now, so imagine how many there were before they took <laughs> things out. <laughs> but like the the mice in particular, I, I was really loved the mice. And, you know, when they said the mice had to go, Greg booed <laughs> on the call <laughs> and like, and, and said, you know, you, you bought her, you bought her ideas, you, you invested in what you think she can do. And she's showing you like, don't, don't take it away. You know, like let her, you know, you, you bought this, let her be the thing that you bought. Um, which is, you know, to have somebody like that in your corner is, you know, it's priceless. It's, it's unbelievable um, to have them fighting for me. And, and also to like, you know, to, he, there was so many, lots and lots of notes and lots of guidance. And sometimes I would be like, I don't know how to show this. Or I don't know how to be this. And always he'd be like this and like offer the most like perfect, <laughs> you know, brilliant, simple, hilarious solution. I'd be like, oh, that's why is Greg Daniels. That's why he pays in the big bucks. Um, so yeah, it, it was sort of guarding me while I was allowed to <laughs> run free and um, 
try things out basically was his was his role okay um nice to have not, not, so, not oh yeah have. right i've been i'm i hope that people listening don't hate me like i'm really aware <laughs> <laughs> i'm really aware please everyone know that like i my imposter syndrome is through the roof and that i'm really aware that i got more lucky than you know than any i felt i'm, I'm unbelievably lucky I'm, so i'm aware of it please please everybody <laughs> Oh, I've just lost you. Sorry. Um, so you uh, you finish the you know that draft with yeah. ABC, and then do you sort of remember uh, what happened uh, once it was handed in? Once the final draft is handed in? Yes. So the the final draft was handed in. Then. Uh, then where are we now? We're now at like the beginning of the following year, and they say we're going to. And for a long time, we were sort of waiting on this. Like, is it going to go to pilot? Is it not? And oh, sorry for popping into the microphone. <laughs> um, but you know, this sort of the week that they sort of announced the pilots. Um, you know, I'd get these sort of calls at four a.m. my time. So I was in the UK and they would be like, we're just calling to say there's no news. <laughs> like, fantastic. I, let's, I tell you what, let's not call. <laughs> just you don't need to <laughs> alert me that there's nothing. Um, and so they didn't pick it up for pilot, but they then said, okay, we're going to move you. And by this point also, I should say that everybody at ABC who I initially started with had either had left or been moved or so now I have a whole different team many people who are like who is this like why have we why have we bought this girl and so now there's a new uh, head of ABC and they move me they say we're not it's not a yes it's not a no we're going to move you to an experimental pilot season um we're gonna we're trying to phase out this idea of like this rigorous you know calendar year um the world is changing which i think is very sensible and very smart and we're going to sort of incubate incubate you we want you to write the whole series and then we'll sort of do more like experimental test stuff and see if it works i was like great but they wanted you to write the whole series yes they wanted me to do no sorry a a rephrase (laughs) they wanted me to do two three and four they wanted me to write a few more episodes okay Right. So they wanted me to keep writing to like, which I t- totally get to be like, let's find out exactly what this show is and like right. keep working on it. Dead Pilot Society is supported in part by Libby. Libby is a free reading app created by Overdrive that lets you borrow ebooks and audiobooks from your library on your phone, tablets, Kindle, or computers. All you need is a valid library card from your library. God, I love Libby. Um, Even if you don't have a library card currently, why don't you have a library card currently? You can read samples of any book that you see. You can also listen to samples of any audiobook. Uh, Libby works just like your physical library. You simply borrow available books you want to read, and then they return themselves automatically after your loan expires. I just took a little look around on uh, my Libby app on the home screen of my phone uh, just to see what's available on the old LA public library right now. How about station 11 by Emily St. John Mandel? What you haven't read that yet. You need to read that. Uh, if you're more of a nonfiction person, I saw that the library book by Susan Orlean, what could be more appropriate that's available. Uh, so good. Full of so many amazing facts. These are just a couple. Um, download Libby in the Apple app store or Google play store to start borrowing and sampling ebooks and audiobooks today. 
We have a Jumbotron. This is our first Jumbotron. It's very exciting. Uh, and here it is. It's from Anna to Carl. Carl, thanks for being my partner in all things life and parenting. I don't know if the kids would agree, but so far they are both still alive and well. So I think that means we are winning. There's no one I'd rather live without a shower in the house for two months and counting while we redo the bathroom during COVID with. Love you, stinky man. There you have it. You know, anyone listening to this can buy their own Jumbotron at MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron. Hi, I'm Biz. And I'm Teresa. And we're the hosts of One Bad Mother, a podcast about parenting. Parenting is hard, and we have no advice. But we do see you doing it. Honk if you like to do it. <laughs> Didn't we have a bumper sticker a while back that was like, yeah. honk if you did it? That's what it I was. I think it was honk if you're doing it. <laughs> <laughs> Why did we not ever make this? We did make life. them. I <laughs> think they're still in the Max Fun store. <laughs> honk, honk. You're doing it. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Biz. So are you. Each week, we'll be here to remind you that you're doing a good job. You can find us on MaximumFun.org. Honk, honk. Toot, toot. And, and was there always the understanding that you would be playing the lead? Was that? Um, yes. Yeah. Okay. That was always, that was always part of it. And that was my first question too. I was like, but not me. Right. And they were like, no, no, you. Yeah. I was like, okay. <laughs> like, okay. Like, you know, all these questions that you're asking, like, don't think I'm not asking them like right. you know, well, a thousand. <laughs> and I assume, you know, so those people that bought it had come to see the show and knew what you could do and had seen you. But then you yes. get a new regime in there yes. who just new have regime. someone they've, yes. they, they've, <laughs> they've not seen and don't know. And they're being they're being told, OK, this is the writer and lead of a show. But yep. they hadn't seen the one woman show. Correct. So Correct. already that's a little bit of trouble right there. A hundred percent with them being like, we don't know why we don't get it. Um, and which I, of course, of course, they felt like that. So now that's happening. They've uh, moved off to do more writing. Um, at this point, I get an amazing girl called Megan, who was somebody who was working with Greg and me and Megan would do. And Megan just just my age and was doing a sort of staff writing job. Um, and me and her did like weeks and weeks and weeks of you know, just bashing out ideas and trying to like find the show and find this. And she was incredible and, um, and, and so sort of like sensible. So every time I was sort of, she was really, <laughs> she was a real yin to my yang. So every time I was, you know, <laughs> being all, I don't know what the expression is to be like, <laughs> I just use this word. Ooh! <laughs> like, every time I was, you know, she'd be like, okay, let's bring that, let's, let's bring that back, champ. Like, let's just be, you know, sensible. And there was, you know, she really sort of kept me in check and was like, here's your writing schedule. Here's what we're doing. This is this. And so like, you know, I owe so much to Megan. Um, and then, so we're writing that, writing that. Then they say, pause what you're doing. <laughs> new, new thing. <laughs> We've sold you to Quibi. So this is now. So, so now this, who's the they? Who's the they who has sold this you to Quibi? ABC Studios. <laughs> ABC Studios have sold, sorry, ABC, ABC Studios bought me for ABC Network. Then ABC Network sold me with ABC Studios to Quibi. Okay. 
Nobody asked me, just happy to be here. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I'm, I'm thrilled. Let's keep this roller coaster rolling. So now ABC Network are no longer where it's, if it, if it ever went ahead, it's no longer on ABC Network. It'll still be produced by the studios, who again are totally new people and doing their absolute best with me, but they, you know, they didn't get involved in the first place. And now I have Quibi in, <laughs> in charge. And so that was the end of last, uh, the very end of 2019, um, the deal gets signed with Quibi. Okay. And then I write the ho- they wanted the whole of the first season. So I wrote the whole season. And so for Quibi, a season consists of <laughs> a season is about seven minutes long. <laughs> so Quibi, so Quibi for everybody who maybe didn't. didn't I think everyone, <laughs> I think everyone listening, you heard about the Quibi debacle. So Quibi was, you know, you just were like, okay, like you know, to their credit, Quibi were trying to make stuff and trying to do things and letting people, you know, have a shot. Um, and so, so they wanted 15, 10 minute episodes of okay. season one. Um, and so within your 10 minutes, it, they were designed to be completely a, a full story that both served the entire season narrative, but also wrapped up and ended on a cliffhanger every 10 minutes. <laughs> and how, so I've, I didn't write anything for Quibi. I've never uh, written under those constraints. How did you do that? Did you have A stories and B stories within those 10 minutes? Or was it just sort of like, I mean, I guess you're, you know, Tessa, the character is is sort of always going to be the the A story in this show. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, in a typical regular length episode you have a story b story perhaps a c story but if you've only got 10 minutes to tell a story with the cliffhanger at the end i mean how how did you handle that (laughs) i um i let i just decided to let the science be the focus of each episode and so i broke each one down to be like this one is going to be talking about um, monogamy and this one's going to be talking about fear and this one's going to be about tarot and rich witchcraft that was the <laughs> Halloween episode <laughs> and this one's going to be about you know uh, dating and the and dating and the history of dating and so those are going to be each and my hope was and what I always had wanted with the show was for people to be able to say you know to be uh, talking at a party and say oh you should watch episode seven it'll it, you don't have to know the characters but just watch this episode about the history of dating and to people be like oh i you know that's always what i wanted out of it and so and then once i knew that that was my focus i could see like how is can the story sort of serve this idea and how can i get all these big scientific ideas that i want to show in like the funnest and most accessible way possible and then i and then i built the story into that and so i went about it that way um, and I let the sort of science be the focus of it. Um, and, and again, and to an extent I had to, I went, I, I went A and B as best I could <laughs> C often sort of had to be parked. Right. <laughs> I didn't have time for C. I let sort of see things trickle through the whole series and occasionally, you know, as best I could. And I drew myself a lot of sort of A3 diagrams and like how can things wrap up when can things come back what's everybody's sort of arc um and and I did my very very best every episode to have like a really neat a b it wraps up 
plot. Um, and I should I think I should credit Dan Harmon here, who I've never met, but his like work about story circle um, is r- really, really helped to be like, okay, this is how you can do it. And, and his attitude of like, you can do it in 30 seconds. So he was like, you don't have to have a 30 minute, you know, sitcom to do it in. Or, you know, if you can do it, you can do it in 30 seconds, you can do it in 10 minutes. Um, and I was like, okay, I can, this is achievable. Just right. sort of really be That's really cool. That, that, that's great that, that that really helped you. That's a good tip for people out there. Um, and yeah, I, he has some, yeah. And, and it's clear, you know, even in this pilot, you know, that you're interested in really talking about big ideas, you know, <laughs> the, the, the pace of technological change, and, you know, evolutionary biology and, and, you know, why we're programmed to, to act in certain ways and romance and friendship. Um, and so you, it is probably really helpful that you had that, that guidepost that you really yeah. had things you wanted to talk about and you, you had the, the background um, in anthropology that you knew what you were talking about. Yes, absolutely. They, they, they really came out of me. I didn't have to drag any of those. They were sort of sat there being like, you know, the witchcraft episode, like that was all, you know, I was jumping at the, jumping the gun to do, chomping at the bit to, to write about that stuff. And so allowing that sort of enthusiasm, that passion to lead the way is what sort of helped to be like, okay, now we're going to wrap this up. And, um, but yeah, those big ideas are still something I'm really, really, passionate about because I think there's stuff in there that people we just don't know we just know so little about ourselves and when we attempt to do sort of like big ideas in a fun way it's with like lots of colors and graphics and like and a sort of dumbed down version but I think things can be I think people are way smarter than we think and you can you can talk about big ideas in the most interesting and funnest way possible rather than the, the simplest um and that was always what I was trying to do and and to have sort of characters in it that that you liked and that you wanted to like hang out with and that you that you sort of saw yourself in and also that you you know you were rooting for um and and I just read so much about like uh, writers writing about their craft and like and how they do it and I remember someone writing like you write your characters so well until they tell you what how they're going to get out of the situation I remember thinking oh god (laughs) you know (laughs) Good Lord, what a tip. <laughs> and, then, and then the first time that, that that did happen, I remember being like, oh, wow, okay, okay. They're, right. tell, they're telling me what they're going to do. And it really, you know, it, and it was, it, it sounds like such a sort of, you know, kooky out to lunch way of looking at things. But, you know, if you really, really, if your characters are as real as they possibly can be, like they will, they will tell you. Um, and yeah. so... so and that's the point where writing starts to approach being at all enjoyable. The problem yeah. is just how painful it is getting to that point, you know, how painful it is trying to build the characters and figure out how they, how they talk and, you know, getting to there once you're there, yes, they, they start to just say things and you're just sort of channeling them. But I think people expect, and even I do, you know, having done this for so many years, you're just, it's just frustrating at the beginning. It doesn't instantly start that way. You have no. to find the voice, uh, you know, you have to write a lot of just absolute garbage on the way to finding those voices so your characters actually do start talking to you. But yes, if you get to that point, that's great. Yeah, but it's such a long, yeah, the tip in the book probably should have said, by the way, it'll take ages and it'll be... Yeah. <laughs> dog shit on the way before your characters start talking to you. Um, and yeah, it was definitely 
brutal, really brutal, um, and and really really tough. And, and when you're sort of through it, you think like, oh, was it tricky? But you know, you sort of immediately forget how hard it was. Um, but when you're in deep, trying to sort of fix a problem or created character like oh awful <laughs> and i guess perhaps it was an advantage that one of these characters in your main character was you so you sort of knew i mean did that help you, you you knowing your own voice and knowing how you would say things or how much um obviously tessa in the show is not exactly real life tessa but was that helpful that at least you had that anchor of writing for yourself um lovely question i think um towards the end yes and and definitely the, in the dialogue very much so the dialogue came very easy and 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 very natural um but in the beginning not so much because i really felt sort of held back by where i drew the line between me and me the character and you know especially that you know <laughs> you'd have these meetings with you know, executives who are saying like, you know, why do we love the character? And I'm like, well, I don't even love me. So I don't know. <laughs> They're like, what's, the, what's so great about Tessa? I'm like, nothing. <laughs> She's rubbish. Um, so in, and, and, and sort of trying to find this, oh, there's loads of truth in this show. Like there's loads of true things and real stuff that happened. Um, and then, you know, Ask that sort of thing about like your characters will tell you what to do. Like it got to this point of like, uh, you know, it would be I would be doing stupid things like being like, well, I've never done that, and being like, you idiot, like that's not important. Like the right. character can do it. Like, and so in the beginning, it definitely really held me back of trying to find this line between, you know, who who I am and who this character is and what I want to present as a version of myself on the on the screen. But once I sort of got over that ugly hurdle, then then it did. Then I was sort of. But then it definitely made it easier and more helpful to, you know, I was there. I was real. I was, I was telling myself what I was going right. to do next. And did you, I think you sort of said that um, with some of the other characters, like, you know, we had Maria Bamford reading the professor and you said that that's kind of who you had imagined playing mm -hmm. that part. Was that something that you really used as a tool, just imagining actors, specific actors for these supporting you know for anthony and cat were you writing them with someone in mind or did yeah i wrote, sort of write them and then think oh maria bamford could play this maria i'd always had in my mind i love her so much and the professor was actually the only character that did exist in the live show so she is and I would, it was just me doing the impression of her. And she was sort of like, oh, <laughs> you know, she spoke like this and she was mad. And she was an impression of a real professor I had at university and my English teacher at school combined into one. And, and so she was definitely very, very real to me right from the beginning. Um, and then Maria was just such an obvious, just the thought of like, somebody said that to me very early on of being like, um, cast the show like in your mind don't imagine it's actually you know forget about it ever happening but cast it in your mind and how ex who would be the most exciting people you could have and who would you want to be saying these words and then you really sort of then it inspires you to then it then it sort of takes on a much more real real you know feeling to it and you write better I think and um and yeah I made these sort of I made these character pages um 
it just really is procrastination. <laughs> but like they, I made these sort of uh, Photoshop, these pages of like both people I imagined in this role, but also like I had, you know, things they were interested in and like, and then, you know, for some of them, I, you know, for the character of Anthony, who I imagine it's, you know, super sort of strict with himself, you know, the images were all really, um, you know, in a lovely smart brick pattern. And for my, me, they were just a, you know, a collage of stuff and pictures of monkeys and, um, the professor's one is sort of based on Jane Goodall, the primatologist. And so there's lots of pictures of her when she's young in there. And, and that was a nice thing to do that was just like a break for some, from the writing to make something really, really visual and to sort of let them come alive. Um, and yeah, definitely, I think writing for a real person helped enormously. And also just to feel the, the excitement of imagining them doing it. Um, you know, the, uh, <laughs> the, there's a, a sort of sexy fuck boy, for want of a better word, in there who I sort of imagined as Dave Franco. And it's just like the thought of it being him was, you know, enough, enough for the writing to sort of be filled with, <laughs> um, you know. I think that is, you know, me. I go to pieces even just thinking about it. So, like, that's <laughs> that's in there. Um, but yeah, yes is the answer for sure. Yeah, it's um, it's a really good technique. I I find you know, it, it's amazing how sometimes you can be writing a character for a while and realize I'm not picturing anyone. Uh, you yeah. know, and often that's when do you when you realize that you're like, Oh, that's the problem with this character. They're just a sort of floating faceless, you know, line. Exactly. Yeah, for sure. And you just think this isn't, this is an empty space of a, yeah, of a it's person. Not coming alive. Yeah. Uh, so you wrote, uh, your, your full quibby season, <laughs> My full, you know, <laughs> and, seconds of quibby. And then, <laughs> But that's you know a hundred. That's a hundred and something pages, right? That's yeah, yeah. It's a it's a it's a, a real accomplishment. And then when do you get the news that Quibi is exploding? <laughs> I um, I get the news about a, a month after we I handed in, um, and then I like, but I just I see it on Twitter and I sort of piece meal it together backwards, um, and. <laughs> yeah and so and then it took about a week before I was officially told but I truly had had I you know I was given my whole heart to my to the writing and, and to being part and to the process but like I definitely was not I, I was always I was always aware that that was an option basically like I you know uh, the, the sort of the rumblings had been there for a while with Quibi so it didn't blindside me it, I felt like I knew it was coming um, definitely it was, I think there's, you know, there's lots of, there were surprises, but that it was so speedy, um, <laughs> but <laughs> it was the ultimate quick bite, <laughs> but, um, but I definitely, you know, I, I'd always like, I was, I was ready basically. Um, so I wasn't, I wasn't totally about it. I was definitely very sad. Like I, you know, because I'd been taught the, in the sort of previous couple of months of like, you know, the sort of, I, I, I'd okayed like a sort of press release and like, you know, sent a quote of like, if, you know, they announce this is going ahead and also, and I totally get that that's how Hollywood works. You know, you're in the middle of season six and someone walks on set and says, that's cancelled, wrap it up. You know, you've always got to be ready to, that anything could happen at any time and it's dreams one day and a nightmare the next. But um, yeah, 
so that's how I that's how I found out from Twitter, of course. Of course, <laughs> people, people making jokes on Twitter. <laughs> um, but you were able to sort of while writing because I guess while you're writing it, you're already Quibi's already launched and is not setting the world on fire. But you were able to hold those two thoughts in your head: one, I've got to do the best possible job with this because it's going to happen. And simultaneously knowing this is probably all going to go go away yeah. and not happen. Absolutely. Yeah, they're a complete cognitive distance. <laughs> um, and but I think like and I definitely there was, you know, and people have said to me, like, if you knew, like, why didn't you just hand in any old any old shit? But I was like, well, what's what's the point of that? What's the fun like, of that? Yeah. What's the I mean, fun of that? Like you, I've been you, given this amazing opportunity to learn and yeah. to and also, who knows? I mean, if anything you've learned from this journey is this story may not be over for, for primates. And I hope that, that it's not. And so you want to have something that, for, you know, can can find another life somehow. Exactly. Um, I mean, it's already uh, cheated death, you know. Yeah, right. It's cheated once. death so many times. <laughs> like, why yeah. not keep going? And I, and yeah, like, I, I felt so honored and so lucky from the very beginning of this process. And so I never wanted to, I just gave my whole, I gave my, my whole heart to, to it from the very beginning. And I think that's how you've got to sort of live life a bit, you know, to, yeah. to have, to know that it might not happen and to also try your, you know, try your best. And, and if nothing, it's been an insane learning experience, you know, it's been invaluable. Like I, and you wouldn't have got that had there not been, you know, a sort of an intense deadline and a pressure if you just were, left your own devices to like write a, you know, script. You'd never do it, but with the, you'd certainly never write a whole season of a show. No, you (laughs) You wouldn't keep. (laughs) No one does that. I mean, no one keeps going unless someone is calling you to say, where's the script? You know, like you, you, you need that. Um, and, and yeah, it's been, I mean, it's what a, what a wild ride. I had a pina colada out of a can when it went under. Just like, (laughs) okay. (laughs) Uh, yes. How else to commemorate that, that moment <laughs> right? of canned pina colada. Uh, but yeah, just to have gone from never having written anything really longer than a sketch, I'm assuming before, you know, before, you yeah. know, and then the one woman show, and then you've written a whole season of television, albeit a, a sort of short, oh, short but I guess it's as long as a British one series as you guys yeah, call it there, right? I mean, longer, make, right? Yeah, we, we make one 20-minute episode and that's that's a series. <laughs> that's, you know? a series right? <laughs> that's done. Um, yeah, it's about, I suppose it's, yeah, it's not far off a British, you know, six, six, six half-hour series, yeah. Series, yeah, definitely. Um, and so... Yeah, it's, it's, an, it's an achievement, isn't it? <laughs> it to, it's absolutely an achievement. And it, and it was just... I mean, just delightful just ends up being the word that comes to mind, but, but hearing it, uh, you know, it was just so much fun. Every character is, is clear and alive and you're excited for each character when they, when they show up and, you know, you're just sort of like, Oh, I want more of the professor, but I love, you know, I love Anthony and Kat's so great. And you know, they're all, um, just, they, they all have a voice and, uh, and I think it was, you know, all of those actors were able to just fall right in, you know, and just hit it exactly right. And that's, be, you know, yes, they're all great, um, but also they were given really clear characters to play. So even in a cold read, it was just they could fully inhabit those characters because you had made them, you know, really clear in their voices. Um, it's 
just such a fun, such a fun show um, that I'd been tracking and wanting to do through, <laughs> through all of these uh, all and, turns. Uh, and I'm not happy that it's you know, <laughs> died a couple deaths, but I'm glad we, we honestly, got to do it. Like, that the getting to read it out was honestly so magical and it really, it was really, really special. I mean, I'm so genuinely grateful and and yeah, exactly what you're saying there. You know, when, when I got the email saying like, here's the script and we just start at six, I was like, and there'll be no practice. Like no one wants to hear about their character or anything, but, but we just started and it was so magic to have what jokes and words and lines that have only ever existed in my head be, be said by real people. And, and for them to get it, you know, like everybody, everybody not only hit their jokes, but like made them better. And yeah, to, it felt really special to exactly what you're saying to like have it, to have made a character that was clear, and so when it came to the line, everybody it was obvious how how that line was said. Um, and yeah, you can't really put a price on the feeling of having something in your imagination and then it being out in the world. Um, it was really special. So thank you. It's been my highlight. It's my highlight of my year. <laughs> Well, I mean, it's, it's a low field. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, there's not much to compete with here. Yeah. But. All right, but we'll take it. We'll take it. We'll, um, take well it. it was so great. Thank you for letting us do it. And, you know, really can't wait to, uh, to see what comes next from you. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, guys. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's uh, my animated uh, dog prime show. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's what's coming. <laughs> yeah, I want to watch that. I don't want to do it on Dead Pilots. I want to watch that show. So make that one happen. Um, well, all right. Stay safe in your third uh, lockdown over Thank there. <laughs> um, and, uh, and thanks again. And take care, Thank Tessa. Thank you so, so much for having me. Thank you so much. Okay, I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Dead Pilot Society is produced by me and my co-host Ben Blacker and our associate producer Noah Findling. I also want to mention that our great new logo was designed by Stefan Lawrence. You can find him on social media at Stefan Patrick. That's at S-T-E-F-A-N-P-A-T-R-I-K. Hey, if you like this show, Please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps. Think think for one second right now. Who do you know that might like the show, that might not know about it? Tell them about it. Tell them about the show. Maybe there'd be more into the uh, pilot reads. Maybe there'd be more into the interviews with the writers. Either way, tell a friend. You can follow us on social media to find out all the latest. We're on Twitter at Dead Pilots Pod and on Instagram at Dead Pilots Society. Uh, let us know what you think of uh, this is the second month of our new split format. What do you think? All right, until next time, I am Andrew Reich. Thank you for listening. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned, audience supported.